From 12 News in Phoenix, Arizona, this is Downfall. The whole city of China is going to shut down for this game. We're ready to come out and show like the state of Arizona that Hamilton still has it. Similar to what happened in Penn State, people aren't going to want to be affiliated with that negative energy that's going on there. We do believe that there is more than enough evidence. Hell on Earth, you know, would be a good way of summing it up. They're angry. Uh, they're upset that no one came forward. I don't know what I would have done different because we didn't know. I just want the Hamilton standard and name to be clear. Full name and date of birth. Nathaniel William Thomas, 327, 2000. Uh, represented by? Ken Countryman on behalf of Sir Thomas, who is present, Your Honor. And Deputy County Attorney. Tara Crocker, Deputy County Attorney, appearing on behalf of the state. All right. Uh, Mr. Thomas, you're charged um, as an adult with the following offenses. One count of sexual assault, a Class II felony. Three counts of kidnapping, Class II felonies. Two counts of molestation of a child, Class II felonies. And three counts of aggravated assault, Class VI felony. Nathaniel Thomas was in front of the judge, kind of. In Maricopa County, you appear before a judge by video to decide if you're going to get bail. Nathaniel was the only one of the six Hamilton football players arrested who was charged as an adult. He stood there in the black and white stripes, head down. Sometimes suspects do a lot of talking, denying the charges, some not understanding the process. Nathaniel said nothing. He'd lawyered up. His attorney, Ken Countryman, did the talking. Um, there were numerous other individuals uh, present during the, um, during the proceeding. My client adamantly denies committing these offenses, and um, uh, I think it's um, very important to note that uh, there are no statements that, uh, attested to my client admitting any of these circumstances. And so as we sit here, um, these are allegations, he's presumed innocent, he adamantly denies them, and uh, we ask for a bond. And my client is a very young man, he's a good student, he has no criminal history whatsoever. The prosecutor on duty countered his argument with something we hadn't heard yet, facts. Until now, it had all been rumors of what had happened in that locker room. We do have a statement from one of the victims, victim D in this case, indicating uh, that this individual, this suspect, is the one who used his fingers to penetrate his anus. He indicated that he viewed his hands in between his legs and felt the penetration just as he pulled his hands away and stated, ew. Um, this was all viewed by the victim. Whether or not he saw the hand actually go in, of course, is impossible given where it went into. Uh, so we're about as close as it can possibly get here, and this is the only person he identified as doing this. I would also note that there are three total victims as part of the direct complaint. That sounded bad, and that was only one allegation. The prosecutor was talking about three other victims. It was the first official word we'd heard about what happened in there. And since Thomas had been arrested and appeared before the judge, he was in the system. Maricopa County Court Records is pretty hidden. You have to find the building. It's where the Amtrak station used to be in Phoenix, but Amtrak hasn't run through Phoenix in years. The top level has windows and counters. It's mostly where people go for marriage licenses and things like that. But you have to go down two flights of stairs to get to court records. It's a huge basement room with nothing but uncomfortable chairs in the middle and computers around the outside. You go there to get copies of court documents that are filed in any superior court case, bankruptcies, divorces. We took a chance that Nathaniel Thomas's court documents might be there. We sent reporter Monique Riego to check. We, I think we went once and tried to get the documents. This, if I remember correctly, they had sent someone, but they asked me to go down and check. And um, court documents is 
don't know if everyone knows, you can go down. If someone's been convicted, if there's a crime, you can pull them. And there's tons of stuff to go through. We ended up finding these documents attached to something that I'm not sure if it was supposed to be attached to or what because it disappeared shortly after but um, we pulled them. We just got lucky. We got lucky. It's a good way to say that. It's called the Form 4. After many years here I'm still not really sure why but what Monique found was the narrative attached to it that explains what evidence the cops have to arrest someone. This one I saw. Let me find it for you. Grabbed in the locker room, held him down while inserting his finger in his anus. This is not like messing around because in another one they say he attempted to do it but didn't but still touched this guy's penis and his anus but they said he didn't penetrate. That narrative laid it all out in graphic detail. When I read through the documents to what actually happened and being in the news we are not people who are, I guess we're shy. For, I don't know if that's the right. No, Wait, no nothing shocks us. Yeah, anymore. nothing shocks I mean, we've been us. We've doing anymore. this a while. Yeah, nothing shocks you. This kind of shocked me a little bit. Like I was like, whoa. The cops were saying the incidents were basically the same. The underclassmen were called fresh meat. The hazing ritual was to hold them down and make sure they were naked, either strip them or catch them already naked in the locker room, then insert a finger or some sort of object in their rear ends. Chandler police were saying Nathaniel Thomas was the ringleader and the one who was doing the inserting. It's it's pretty bad, you know, these are teenagers, you know, they're in a football locker room, they're being held down, and allegedly another student is pulling, some of these say they pulled their pants down, like they were clothed, they pulled their pants down. A lot of times, sometimes they pull court dogs and it says they're very vague. Uh, the person was Purposely. aggressive. Yeah, person was aggressive. And they wanted to make it very clear, because these documents are what go for charges and stuff. They wanted to make it very clear that this wasn't a high school joke. To them, it was sexual assault, you know, and they were documenting basically everything. And they talked about Snapchat videos. The cops even knew which kid had seen them. That's something that I'd heard the first day outside Hamilton High, and Charlie Edsidy had heard about it too. I think I heard about that probably from the police reports. I think the details within those reports pretty much spelled out that there was video, it was captured on social media, and this video was then shared with who knows how many people and they saw it. That was the worst part. If this was true, these accusations are correct, it's like, to Snapchat that and to put it out there, for, I mean, that is public humiliation that lasts for years. What's even more troubling to me when I start thinking about that aspect of this is how many people saw it and didn't say anything, kept it to themselves, or even laughed at it, thought it was funny, and moved on with their lives. Um, you know, and just thinking about that aspect of it, uh, you know, if, if any other football players were to have received this video outside of who was in that room, that to me may suggest that there was or does, there is an existence of an attitude of this is pretty common practice, commonplace, nothing to see here type of thing. Whereas if someone like me outside of the program uh, saw something like that, I immediately would be concerned, alarmed, probably get police involved. And so, you know, it's just kind of, I'm curious who saw that when and who chose to not report it. The thing is though, no one's copping to it. No one's saying, yeah, I knew about this while I was there, unless they're a victim. No one's saying anything about, yeah, I heard a rumor, you know, back when I was there a couple of years ago. Right, and I think that kind of taps into the mentality of this particular sports team and to a degree sports teams in general. I'm, I was an athlete growing up. I played on several teams in high school and there's definitely a camaraderie that you build up with your coach, uh, the parents, 
teammates. Well, this team was legendary too. Right, and I think that adds an extra layer of, um, it just adds an extra layer of, I guess, complexity, if you will, in that this is a team that has a reputation, as you said, and they're used to winning, and they're not used to being in the headlines for anything like this. That question, why didn't anyone say anything? We weren't the only ones asking it. People we were talking to were asking it, some using that question to wonder if it was all just a big lie. After all, if this happened to you, you'd say something right away, wouldn't you? Basically, hazing is this collision of the uh, bizarre and, and yet uh, frequent, and in some cases, quote unquote, ordinary, uh, in which the individuals uh, become accustomed to it or become inured to it, uh, that it's part of the culture, it's always been done. Hank Neuer has been investigating hazing cases nationwide for over 40 years. He has a hazing encyclopedia in his mind. Everything reminds him of another case. Sexual assault case that I covered was a baseball team in Nogales, Arizona. One case involving scissors and hazing, the one that really disturbs me was a basketball team from southwest Hank has written books, articles, he lectures about hazing, even teaches college classes about it. He says hazing is sort of like a virus. Once it happens, if it's unchecked, it keeps happening. It becomes part of the experience of joining a sports team, like something that's passed down through the years. Once that culture gets into the community, it seems to spread. Uh, in terms of the southwest New Mexico also, one of the worst cases like this, which mirrors the case uh, uh, here at Hamilton is uh, at in uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico, which was at Robertson High School, where uh, felony charges were levied against players and the uh, a principal and a either coach or athletic director looked like they'd be brought up on charges, but were let go on technicalities at the eleventh hour. So uh, it there seems to be. I don't know, a blind spot or a, a attitude of we handle our own problems that really could hurt. Hank says that creates the worst part of hazing, apathy. Everyone wants it to just go away. People don't want to know about it. The victims think it's normal or something that's expected of them. And even when someone does raise a red flag, it can be an uphill battle to get anything done about it. These are dangerous activities and that they're present in high school sports. and. Uh, an aware parent is often a parent who will make the phone call, uh, and a, a, the parents get extremely frustrated when they are stepping in and they go directly to a coach or to an athletic director or a principal, and they feel like they're getting lip service. Yeah, 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 we'll take care of it. And then either nothing happens, the punishment is limited to close doors in a locker room, uh, or uh, they, they simply don't get to the bottom of them. Is it difficult for people to accept that this happened or to it, place it, blame on somebody? It, it, the reason that it, it doesn't is, number one, there's usually conflicting stories. Uh, it usually is delayed before it's reported, so people get their stories together who are perpetrators. The victims are intimidated, uh, uh, if, if not by actual threat of physical punishment, then by shunning. Uh, when a young 
A man at Skyview High School in Utah uh, reported his football hazing of a sexual nature. Uh, his coach told him to apologize to the team, uh, and the young man had to go live with relatives in another part of Utah. Uh, it, it's taking a long time. This is the irony. While at the college level with hazing, it gets punished, it gets reported right away. Yes, it's still out there, and yes, there are perpetrators. But at the high school level, it seems that educators don't want to be educated on this issue since it's happening so often. Next time, the investigation starts to expand, but the suspect list gets smaller. And someone drops a hint that Bellis may know more than he's letting on. Downfall was produced by 12 News and me, William Pitts. Special thanks to Monique Riego, Charlie Etsidi, and Hank Neuer. Visit Downfall online at 12news.com slash downfall.